This is the Epilog Audio Experience. The language and content on this podcast may be unsuitable for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to History Chatter. Last week was World Heritage Day and we were talking about uh, the early history of the category heritage and we were also remembering the ways in which the growth of heritage as a category can also have both positive and negative consequences things could often go either way i'd like to connect uh, today's episode with that of the last week uh, heritage of course refers to an inheritance an inheritance about which the contemporary people us usually develop a sense of pride indeed we do have a good deal of pride with regard to a unique indian institution called all india institute of medical sciences As a matter of fact uh, when I was reading up for this week's episode um by chance and probably by serendipity I was um, looking through events which took place in India 70 years ago and I stumbled on to this report about the foundation stone for all india medical institute being laid um sometime in early april 1952 and i started reading up then about what happened to this all india medical institute how it changed subsequently into um, the all india institute of medical sciences what indeed were the visions and objectives behind the establishment of such an institution how it subsequently came to be regarded um, and run eventually who uh, indeed were the sponsors of um, an institution of this magnitude and what are the ways in which that early history of uh, all india institute of medical sciences leave an imprint a legacy really to the ways in which it contemporary history um, is also run what are the resonances really of that early history on the contemporary lives of uh, this wonderful but in some ways controversial institution of medical education higher education indeed um on medicine in india so there we go in early april 1952 the foundation stone of uh, all india medical institute was laid now who indeed laid the foundation stone of uh, all india medical institute hold your breath it was uh, mr j t watts he was new zealand's minister 
for industries and commerce. Why did he and not the president or the prime minister of India lay the foundation stone? That's because New Zealand had been paying for it. This is part of, uh, it was really, part of the 160 lakh project for health improvement to be financed by New Zealand under the Colombo plan. What is or was the Colombo plan really? The Colombo plan for cooperative economic and social development in Asia and the Pacific was conceived at... Uh, at Colombo, obviously, where there was a conference called Commonwealth Conference on Foreign Affairs. The conference was held um, in January 1950, and um, activities under its auspices were launched subsequently in July 1951. Now, this was a framework of cooperative venture for the economic and social advancement of the peoples of South and Southeast Asia, who were the, the representatives in the Colombo Conference of the participants. So um, there was, for instance, Percy Spender, who was Minister for External Affairs of Australia, Ernst Bevan, who was a Foreign Secretary of Britain, um, there was Lester Pearson, um, Foreign Minister, External Affairs Minister of Canada, Jawaharlal Nehru, the Prime Minister and Minister for External Affairs of India, Frederick Deutsch, Minister for External Affairs of New Zealand, Gulam Muhammad, Minister of Finance, Pakistan, and D.S. Senanayaka, who was Prime Minister of Ceylon at the time, and Jayawardene the finance minister who would later be president of Sri Lanka. There was Paul Sawyer, South African minister, and Philip Noel Barker. Then um, from Britain, originally the plan was called Colombo Plan for Cooperative Economic Development in South and Southeast Asia. Essentially, in its original form, it had, that is, seven Commonwealth nations as members. There were Australia, Britain, Canada, Ceylon, that is Sri Lanka, India, New Zealand, and Pakistan. So later, it sort of grew into um, an intergovernmental organization with 27 members, including some members beyond the Commonwealth countries. But that's um, not really our lookout at the moment. Uh, its name also was changed to the Colombo Plan for Cooperative Economic and Social Development in Asia and the Pacific to, to reflect that changing composition and so on so forth. But the objective of the Colombo Plan assistance in the early years was um, for the developed countries to bring forth money and capital to developing countries by way of transfer of capital and technology, along with skill development. 
So while infrastructure by, by the ways of airports, roads, railways, dams, hospitals, fertilizer plants, cement factories, universities, and steel mills were constructed in member countries, uh, there was also a large number of people from these countries who were sent to be trained rather to manage these infrastructure and uh, their growing economies. So it was a transfer of both capital, technology and uh, skill development from developed countries to the developing countries. As you heard, one of um, the infrastructure um, which was um, built under or was to be built under these um, plan assistance was hospital. And that's how the money for AIMS or All India Medical Institute at the time was to be given by New Zealand to India. And that's how Mr. Watts came to lay the foundation stone of All India Institute of Medical Sciences. Now, why and how did All India Institute of Medical Sciences come up? The genesis of um, AIMS lies in the recommendations of uh, Health Survey and Development Committee of 1946. It was also called the Vore Committee. So essentially, Rockefeller Foundation and New Zealand government were um, two of its major sponsors. Now, AIMS was conceived in order to to, to bring forth international standards of medical education in the country. It was to, to determine the future direction of medical education in India, train teachers, and also develop a research program. Eventually, the institute would come up through an act of parliament in 1956, but we must not jump the gun. We are still in 1952, April, when the foundation stone was laid. So um, the, the foundation, the establishment of the institute had been under the consideration of the government of India for some time. And uh, the vision of All India Medical Institute, which it was called at the time, was to bring together in one place educational facilities of the highest order for the training of health personnel. It was to promote advanced research, to coordinate training and research, and provide postgraduate training and above all, to seek to inspire all persons who undergo training with a lofty community outlook of service. So the proposed expenditure, as I said, was to be something to the tune of 166 lakhs at the time. And the recurring um, cost was to be something like 30 lakhs per year once the institute was fully developed. But at the core of the institute was to be a medical college. The medical college was to provide an atmosphere of teaching and research on modern lines. It was to provide practical training um, facilities to the students of the college, 
but the land for it was not acquired yet. At the time the foundation stone was laid, the plan was to expand um, what was then called Irwin Hospital. It is now called Loknayak Jayaprakash Narayan Hospital. So then the plan was for the inpatient uh, accommodation to be raised from the present strength of 300 to 750. There was also a plan to improve the provision for special services in the outpatient department, a postgraduate center and a dental college um, were to be the other two units of the institute as it was to be developed in 1952. Now, there was other plans too. Rural and urban health organizations were to be associated with the institute to provide practical training to students. Then um, there was also plan to enable different departments of the institute to study community health problems. It was very clearly part of a nationalist vision, which of course um, fell away at some point into the future, into reasons that we will not go at the moment. But um, the ambition was for All India Medical Institute to form the most important link in a chain of institutions which were to provide postgraduate training and research facilities in India. A number of teaching departments in existing medical colleges and other institutions were being improved at the time to enable them to serve on an all India basis as centers for the training of teachers and research workers. In addition, certain special institutes such as one um, proposed for leprosy treatment was also to be developed under the overall leadership of All India Medical Institute. The institute, of course, finally came into being in 1956. Now, um, there was and is some misunderstanding that uh, AIIMS was to originally come up in Calcutta and uh, the chief minister of West Bengal, Dr. B.C. Roy, objected to its establishment in Calcutta. That apparently was a great mistake on his part. That's not quite true. There was never a proposal of um, setting up uh, All India Institute of Medical Sciences in Calcutta. What happened was that a proposal was made in 1957 to transform what was then called the PG Hospital in Calcutta into an Ames-like institution. And Dr. B.C. Roy had profound reservations against it for a reason which I presently propose to take up. Essentially, Ames um, was set up as an autonomous institution and the appointment of doctors and teachers there um, was not or would not come under the supervision, overall supervision of Indian Medical Council. 
Now, um, that was a controversial move at its best. Indian Medical Council was indeed at the time the highest professional body of uh, medical practitioners in India. And Dr. Roy, who had been a legendary doctor himself, could not somehow stomach that special provision. And the provision itself had been controversial. In fact, uh, members of Rockefeller Foundation, um, one of the sponsors, also had um, serious reservations against it. Uh, at the same time, uh, one of the early directors of AIMS said that that special provision was required probably because um, IMC or Indian Medical Council at the time did not recognize some medical qualifications from um, the US and Canada. Some of the early teachers and researchers appointed at AIMS had their degrees in the US or Canada. If their appointment or qualifications were to come under the scanner of IMC at the time, they could quite well be disqualified. So the issue is really complex. But let's return to another question. Why did um, B.C. Roy appear to be against the transformation of uh, PG Hospital in Calcutta into another Ames. Um, he said that he had no problem with the project per se, but um, he wanted the project to be carried out, to be financed really, by the state government and not by the central government authorities. He was, he was apprehensive that... Uh, if the project were to be financed by the central government authorities, there would be an excessive control by the Ministry of Health. Was he right or was he wrong? In retrospect, we can safely claim that Dr. Roy was prophetic. Um, let me give you an example and then I'll probably close up this particular episode and I'll invite you to look it up for yourself. Now, under the AIMS Act, um, the police had its own governing body. The autonomous government body was designed um, so that it should be free from interference from political forces, which might be looking to gain special advantage. But... Uh, the trouble was the first um, president uh, of the governing body was Rajkumari Amritkar, who was uh, the union health minister at the time. Now, um, it was definitely not an auspicious beginning from the point of view of uh, ensuring the institute's autonomy. The problem was um, after... Amritkar was no longer the health minister. He continued to serve as, as a president of the governing body. There were several occasions during which uh, he, she carried out negotiations about appointments and grants with uh, the Rockefeller Foundation. And uh, the ministry officials continuously intervened and rejected uh, some of her suggestions. I could go into a litany of instances um, 
in which she had been uh, involved into disagreements and, uh, and bypassing by the ministry officials. As a matter of fact, um, one of the leading members of uh, the Rockefeller Foundation was exasperated and admitted explicitly, and I quote, that although the AIMS is an autonomous body which can accept grants from any sources, the real fact is that the ministry does control the institute and its governing body in the final analysis. Unfortunately, when we talk about heritage and legacy, AIMS still bears that legacy of excessive control by the ministry, the health ministry, and its early history continued um, even into the 21st century when there were several conflicts between uh, the administrators at AIMS, the governing body, and the Ministry of Health, Government of India. I'll be back with another episode on another legacy and another history next week. Till then, this is Onirban signing off. Looking forward to you from History Chatter. See you then.